I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to Season 10 of the Parenting Aces Podcast, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and this week, my guests are hailing from Australia. It has been a bit of a challenge to find a time to get this thing recorded, but I am so thrilled to have with us on the pod this week, Jay Deacon and Shane Tab. They are doing some great work down under with... 10 and under players, the youngest tennis players in our system are in their system. And I'm so excited to have them share the work that they've been doing and kind of explain their approach to getting new players involved in tennis and introducing them to the game and getting them kind of um, onto the pathway of tennis development, junior tennis development. Before I bring the two gentlemen on, I want to just remind you, if you haven't already, we'd love for you to become a premium member of Parenting Aces. And we'd also love for you to go shopping on ParentingAces.com and take a look at some of our new logo merchandise. Um, if you are a premium member, you get free shipping every day on our merch. So another bonus of joining us and it's continuing to support Parenting Aces in that way. So so without further ado, let me bring Shane and Jay online. I'm going to unmute them. I'm going to add them to the video. If you are listening to this on one of the podcast apps and you want to actually put faces and uh, personalities to the voices, come on over to ParentingAces.com and you'll be able to see the video version. It'll also be on our YouTube channel. Shane and Jay, thank you so much for coming on. It's, it's a pleasure to meet you both. Thanks very much, Lisa. Yeah, you're very welcome. So you guys are like the gurus of red, orange, green tennis in Australia. Tell us a little bit about your program and how you got started working with the red, orange, green population of tennis players. Would you like to start? Oh, sure. Uh, Tennis Australia adopted uh, what we call the Hot Shots program over here for under tennis, and that started in 2008, uh, and that was our first introduction. We realised and recognised that uh, elsewhere in the world it had been running for some time, in that in Europe it had been going for some 10, 20, uh, even longer uh, in Europe at that stage. So bringing it out to Australia was finally a, a transformational change in terms of the way we coached, uh, the way we practised, and the way we implemented and looked at tennis. So in 2008, we sort of adopted the uh, methodology that was used by uh, the rest of Europe and uh, put our spin on it as well. And then we uh, further, further explored the pedagogical methodology that best suited the environment. And uh, yeah, we've been working in that space for a long, long time now. So, Jay, let me just ask you, before y'all adopted the red-orange-green system, and, you know, it's everybody does a little bit differently – how were things being done in Australia? Uh, I'd say we were using a what we might uh, conceptualise as a traditional pedagogy where a coach would be delivering uh, balls, standing beside a basket, feeding balls, doing a lot of drills and activities and games around the environment to try to produce players. Uh, and then the switch came and we adopted a game-based, uh, so a Teacher, a theoretical paper came out in it was it 1982 uh, called Teaching Games for Understanding, and that was a pedagogy based around 
placing the uh, athlete into a game situation and teaching them within the game. So that was a very lineal approach uh, in that you would teach one thing, then the next, then the next, and it was a series. And it didn't accommodate for the learner's needs, which is about piecing together and scaffolding the information. So uh, one of the authors actually came out to, Thorpe came out to uh, Australia in 2009 and for our Australian Sports Commission rewrote uh, what the template was going to be. Um, we called it the Game Sense Approach and it allowed for a flexibility to meet the needs of the individual athletes. Uh, in Still in the Game Sense Approach that we call it, in that we try to put them in game situations and teach within the game. And I think, guess that was the biggest shift for coaches. And it's continuing today. The coaches are still, we're probably slow adopters uh, on the whole, but we recognise that it's uh, been successful elsewhere in the world and now we're adopting it in Australia. And Shane, how long have you been involved? Have you been involved since the beginning as well? I think we um, we met uh, what, four or five years ago and, and I'd spent a, a pretty big stint in Europe and um, came back to Australia and was thrown in, into the hotshot space. And uh, I think once Jay and I met, we uh, decided we were very similar to each other and what we wanted to do here. And over a, a cup of coffee, we, we created what we call a red, orange, green ball circuit tournament. So it's, uh, it's been fairly new for me in Australia, but uh, I'm thinking, you know, a little bit of what Europe was doing coming back into Australia. I think we've kind of formed a, a pretty strong friendship and an understanding with what what you know what we need in Australia. So how did you both get involved with teaching the younger children as opposed to you know the traditional high performance coaching or teaching like the recreational folks like myself? Uh, I came from a performance background originally, uh, having worked at Saddlebrook uh, in the States. Harry Holtman was my godfather, so uh, oh wow, I, I laid down was there that I was going to be involved in tennis in some way, shape, or form, and uh, so I spent considerable time in that space and uh, was then employed by a school uh, on here on the Gold Coast, a private school that uh, we're looking to establish a tennis program, and then. Uh, I was involved heavily in that space, so I went from uh, performance and uh, family business to the school environment uh, and saw the opportunities that uh, our Hot Shots program, the 10 and Under program, uh, availed to us that uh, we could do a lot of things in that space and develop it, but uh, I guess we both found holes in uh, the competition structure in particular that uh, mm. didn't accommodate for what we wanted from the for our players. Uh, in that there was no defined pathway here here in Australia, and I guess there still isn't, uh, that we're trying to, to shape and uh, shape the tournament side and competition side to meet the needs of the individuals. So you mentioned pathway. Are there checkpoints or um, certain criteria that the children need to meet in order to move from red to orange to green to eventually yellow ball? Uh, I think by supplying a match play pathway as a pinnacle point of tennis, then the coaching slides underneath it. And I think by having certain competencies for each of those colours rather than age brackets, it then allows the coach to transition those children a little bit clearer. So we have a set of competencies for uh, Tennis Australia in that we have three stages in red, red one, red two, red three, orange one, orange two and green. And each of those is delineated by a set of competencies. So 
Uh, to put it in layman's terms, I guess uh, Red One is about developing the, the rally uh, because the premise being that the, the rally should be the foundation of, uh, of our game, which it is, and we teach within that. So developing the rally is the primary concern. Red Two, we would consider that they're able to maintain a rally with each other, not with a coach, but with each other of a significant amount, so five to ten, and be able to start exploring the court because the court size in it increases at that stage, and they're able to manipulate their opponent uh, around the court to produce different results. And then Red Three, uh, it's at a stage where they can deliberately change direction. They can serve to a forehand or a backhand. So we're looking at a different set of competencies uh, from what many other uh, <coughs> ITF nations actually produce uh, mm -hmm. that we've made relative to their uh, cognitive capacities. And then Orange 1, Orange 2, we moved to the bigger court, so they once again explore space, that uh, transitional piece to the net, uh, as well as under, understanding centre of possible returns and things like that. So each step... Uh, we increase the cognitive load on the athletes uh, and it is delineated in competencies that uh, are available for all coaches and parents on the Tennis Australia website. And so it's up to the coach to make the decision when a player is ready to move from red one to red two, for example. It's not based on age. It's, it's merely based on achieving those competencies that you've laid out. That's correct. It's a competency-based learning system. So uh, age isn't the definitive characteristic uh, in terms of skill acquisition and development. Uh, we often fall into the trap of saying, oh, my child is eight or my child is 10, but they've never participated in the sport before and they haven't thrown a tennis ball or thrown stones at things, uh, so they don't have the requisite skills in each of the mm. stages. So. Uh, a competency-based system is the only way to, to go forward with that to allow the athletes to develop properly. You know, and I think that, that match play space helps us define where that child should be. If we've got those set competencies for a Red Bull tournament, or well, that's what we're going to be following as coaches. Yeah, right. The interesting, the interesting side is when we introduce the... Uh, so coaches have to sign off on the competencies of the child for our Red Red three uh, yeah, tournament yeah. competition. So, uh, in order to match that, to ensure that you don't have this incredible discrepancy between the best players and the worst players, if they meet the competencies, they're going to be there or thereabouts. And so, it was an awakening for a lot of coaches around the Gold Coast that okay, well, this is the standard. So, it formed a change uh, in their processes as well, so that they identified the children as all right. This child is Red three oh, they're not up to that standard, they're red too, and so on and so on. So the competition was the driver of the coach mandating which uh, section they'd be in. Uh, same thing happened in, uh, in France when they introduced orange ball tournaments. Uh, they had the highest sales in, in French history on orange balls the week after because coaches were identifying saying, okay, well, this is where the competition is, so we need to meet uh, the uh, requisite requirements of the competition that they're going to play in. So, hence, uh, orange balls went through the roof. And we found a similar sort of thing that uh, the competition structure has allowed for the proper uh, placement of the child in terms of which uh, level of competency they're in. So, since this is Parenting Aces, I have to ask you, do you do parent education in conjunction with 
the learning that the children are receiving on the court with the coaches? I think with this um, product, it's allowed us to put lots of pieces with the product, and that is one of, if not the most important piece, which uh, I will let Jay explain most of it because he is the master of of, uh, parent videos. Yeah, so we put together understanding that uh, there were so many things commensurate with this uh, tournament structure that we wanted to enable parents to have a better understanding, to educate them in a way. Uh, and as a result, we uh, put together a parenting uh, presentation where we un- undertake uh, a journey through a pedagogical journey, so the reasoning behind it, uh, what it should look like on the court. And we also go into the psychological factors a lot. So I uh, do a bit of lecturing at uh, University of Queensland here in Australia uh, in psychology and pedagogy, and we use tennis as a framework for that. And what we do with the parenting uh, component is that we show the parents, this is what the child is going through. Uh, You're externalising the pressure is uh, just no good. Uh, We have Ash Barty's parent, uh, father, Rob Barty, who's a member of our board here in Queensland. He's Uh, amazing. He is amazing. And his his comment to Ash, regardless of whether she would win or lose, was great effort, Ash. And that was it because his, and it's pointing out to the parents that you're not the coach. In most cases, you're not the coach. And that disassociation from that role and saying, well, what do I need to be? I need to be the parent. I need to be there for support, encouragement, and and sometimes consoling them. And I think parents lose their way and they see it as a uh, living vicariously through the through the child, or they just try. They always want the best. We, as parents, both of us, in fact, our sons play each other, uh, <clears throat> we find that we don't say anything. We'll sit on the courts and encourage. Yep, great effort. Fantastic job. <laughs> Love the way you play. Uh, offer no coaching advice because, first and foremost, we're the fathers. And right. I think that's that's uh, been blurred. That line has yeah. been blurred a lot. So bringing the parents and showing them, uh, my favourite phrase is, what do you think your child would say if you behaved like that? Showing worst examples, and you bring up we bring up the Demir Dokic and uh, <clears throat> and a few others along the way. Yeah, and, uh, the graphs, the pierces uh, of players whose parents are, have just gone off the rails, sadly. But it, if we want the kids to be in the sport for life, it's a team effort, mm. and without the for parents, sure. not going to happen. Right. By, by having this educational piece in the grassroots, we're providing a future. Mm. Not the parents' educational piece in the later part of their journey, but in the early <laughs> part of their journey. Well, and, and I was going to ask you, like, I mean, how important do you think that is to retention in the sport? Because, you know, I always say that if the governing bodies were all doing their jobs, parenting aces wouldn't exist, right? I, in my opinion, it's the governing bodies of every country's job to educate the parents as they're bringing players into the system and moving them through. Um, you know, a lot of parents, I grew up playing tennis, but I was at a complete loss when my son started competing because things were so different than when I was a kid and I needed guidance. And I, you know, I can only imagine a parent that didn't grow up in the sport or 
didn't grow up with sports at all, you know, it's it's very confusing. We have uh, Tennis Australia. I'm working for Tennis Australia now in coach development, and we have a, a holistic view of uh, athlete education. So that at the centre of it all, it's a player-centred environment, and at the centre is the player and what are their needs. And within that, you have your sports psych, your sports science, uh, but the parents are equally as important in this role. Mm-hmm. It, if you look at it and think about it the player at the centre and the support network of the coach and the parents are the primary ones. And then you mm-hmm. have the ancillary ones surrounding it. But uh, without the parents, there's no going forward. There's, there's uh, opportunities for support, both financially, emotionally and socially, uh, don't exist. So uh, we think that uh, better people make better tennis players. Agreed. Agreed. So let's talk a little bit more about the parent education that you guys offer. You mentioned videos. And and so when you've got a child just starting, they're showing up for their first day with a new coach, um, you know, it's the first time they're picking up a racket. Is there something for the parents at that first step or does that come later? At this stage, uh, we don't have a generalized program across the country, but we are in the process of developing that uh, so that each coach can have uh, information for the parents outline. Because you can imagine uh, a number of different private operators around the country. Uh, here in Australia, we have uh, three and a half thousand coach members, uh, each operating in a different way. Uh, we'd like to be able to put forward uh, an opportunity for those coaches to have some professional development or some education for the parents, and that would be crucial, uh, which would be a great thing to have. But that's up to the individual coaches at the moment. For the competition series as circuit as we have it, uh, we offer that as a generalised uh, offering at each of the tournaments. Just to initiate that conversation as well and develop the relationship between ourselves and the parents. Because uh, in order to move forward, and we talk about... Uh, concepts around positive youth development from Richard Lerner in competence, confidence, connection and character. We wanted to not only develop the connections in between coach and parent and player, but also their character as well about how they can give back and their responsibilities and also uh, their opportunities for leadership within that space. I love that. So you keep mentioning your circuit. I want to really talk about the details of the competitive structure that you guys have created for the red, orange, green space and um, talk about how the events look, you know, are how many days do they last? How many matches do the kids play? What type of scoring there is and what type of draws you're using? I, w- I want all the, the details. Fun part. Yeah. <laughs> the nitty gritty. Yeah. Great. So we should probably start <laughs> with the three different events, the red, the orange and the green. They, they run on a, a Sunday morning, and the idea is that at that age bracket, we like the tournament experience to be quite minimal as in time. So at least by 12, 12.30, a family can still go out and have their lunch on a Sunday. Sunday. So the idea is that we, we minimalise the time and don't make it a, a long, long drawn-out affair for their first tournament experience. And, that and so how many matches are they playing in that Sunday morning? So we do a Mon- Monrad draw. So we get up to 32 players. So it could be up to... Wait, a what draw? A what draw? 
a, a compass draw or a monorail? Oh, compass draw. Okay. Yeah, yes. And it means that um, every player receives four to five matches, which is usually a one-set scenario, um, and abbreviated a bit more in red and orange. So for orange, we would run a, a fast four format, first of four. For okay. red, we feel like that the scoreline for red probably needs to be more point orientated rather than uh, the tennis coded score, 15, 30, 30 so forth. So we keep it very minimal so that they understand that accumulation side of things. And if it's green, so, it would be... It would be so it's it would just be one, zero, two, zero, three, like that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then they play so a four-game set or...? So orange would go... Sorry, let me start from red. Right. Red would be uh, first to 16 points. Okay. Um, Two-point de two point deficit to win. Uh, okay. Orange would be fast four, first to four, three or tiebreaker. And then green would be one set, first to six, five or tiebreaker. And okay. they receive four to five matches so that the idea with the compass draw is that their last match is their most competitive match because mm -hmm. we're finding out where that, that level is, as in um, closeness together. I Which love that. Compass draw in that uh, because of your situation, position within the draw, uh, yeah, ultimately your best matches are towards the end because it's someone of closer standard when you're fighting out for uh, the closer positions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And do, are there ranking points associated with this or anything like that or they just show up, they play, and then it's over and they come back the next week? So the, the, there's rating points, but there's also ranking points. So within a hidden agenda behind public eyes, there will be a ranking uh, for red particularly, um, but for green and or orange and green, sorry, we actually have a, a ranking as in um, an accumulation of points over an eight-point, uh, sorry, an eight-tournament circuit. And the idea being that a certain amount of children will then represent their region to go and play against another region at the end of the year. So we will have representation for the Gold Coast from a grassroots level playing other, other regions in the same format as a, as a, let's say, an end-of-the-year Masters final, you could call it. Mm -hmm. And so they earn their way through the system, hopefully earning their, their opportunity to play for their region against the other regions at the end of the circuit. That's, that's the, the goal at the end. So the, okay. the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow uh, is the representation. Uh, but one of the, probably the, the biggest and uh, underlying things is that when we first initiated this, uh, it wasn't about winning and losing because if you look at the psychological uh, components of where, what are the drivers, what are the motivators for the, for the player, it's not about winning or losing. That's parentally driven. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So uh, you, any of the psychological evaluations will show that uh, the primary drivers are fun, uh, competitive, social. So all these components we wanted to bring in, and we, but we wanted to bring as going back to the holistic development, we essentially attributed a, a few core values to the system. So the biggest prizes aren't for winning or losing. It's for our two components are sportsmanship and effort. So they're adjudicated by uh, a supervisor who's on court. So the host club will provide supervisor for each of the courts and they will determine, along with the children, as a rating for their opponent and for each of the students from the supervisor, uh, what level of uh, effort they put in or what level of sportsmanship. 
So by flipping it on its head, we have kids who are clapping shots. Great stuff. Oh, great effort. Helping each other out. So the collaboration and uh, connection between the players is just outstanding. And so the biggest prizes are essentially for effort and sportsmanship, which ultimately is what we want going forward. Uh, no one remembers who the best 10 and under was in your region uh, 20 years down the track. But if we create a better person, they'll probably be a better tennis player. So uh, once again, it comes back to that humanistic approach uh, mm -hmm. about let's develop the people first. And then when, they, when it's time, when their sampling period is over and they're into the investment stage, which is at uh, 12 plus and, that, uh, and older, then we look at uh, the specialization and the investment. That's when the psychology changes and we can focus on uh, higher levels of performance. But for this stage, in their sampling stage, it's so important to send the right messages. And um, that's what we uh, try to put together. And I think also um, with the final outcome being representation, team environment, against children that you've been playing against all year as opponents, but now you come together to play together as a team. And I think at that age group level, that's a really good base to start with. And are they playing singles and doubles or just singles at, at this it's, stage? Uh, it's primarily, uh, primarily singles um, for the fact that we can get the day done very quickly. Um, mm -hmm. But we've now decided to add another part to the, the circuit, which will be <coughs> like a, a sign-on shootout doubles, which, you know, they can sign on with a, a friend from another club if need be, and you just play a small tiebreaker. It would be done in 45 minutes, but again, it would be a fun environment event away from that singles. Love that. Y'all have been doing this long enough now. I'm curious, have you seen any evidence that this approach with the youngest children is carrying over into the older age groups in terms of sportsmanship, and I, you know, one of the things that we have big issues with here in the States is line calls, bad calls. And, you know, I, I hate using the C word, but, um, you know, because kids make mistakes. But I, I'm just wondering, because you guys have been using this humanistic approach and, and encouraging the kids to exhibit top-notch sportsmanship, is that becoming habit that carries over to the high performance and, you know, the investment stage, as you call it. That's such a great word because <laughs> it is an investment. <laughs> mm. I, suppose we're, I suppose we're trying to create a very correct journey. And part of that journey is to learn, you know, the right things to do at the beginning. Um, I think, where would you go from there? Yeah, we're establishing a great foundation. And we've seen that yeah. those, the kids who are transitioning from our tournament circuit now, into uh, higher levels of yellow play, uh, carry forth all the uh, uh, foundations that they developed many, many years ago. And I think that's a big part of it because uh, if you get the foundation right, the rest of the house will go up accordingly. And it's a firm foundation that we're building. This, they're great sports. They put in a great effort. Uh, the parents, after the, we encourage the parents after they come off to either say great effort or all right, what, do you, what are we going to do for lunch? Yeah. Uh, so not to ask, the first we emphasise that the first question you ask is not, how did you go? Mm. 
which is, and then also talk about the car ride home. So that if we can extract that from the parent's vernacular and how the way, the way that they want to talk and get back to parenting, it's a positive relationship mm-hmm. that it builds between player and yes. parent. But it's also, it also serves as a positive model going forward. So we found that the kids now and the parents as well are supportive. Okay, all right, we've got tennis day, great. All right, what are we doing after tennis? And yeah. so tennis is now not the pro- everything revolving around it, but part of their lives. Mm. And the behaviour characteristics of those children going forward are exemplary. And we see, I see it in the, uh, in the talent and development space uh, where I work is that we have, you can spot uh, the kids who've come through the Gold Coast uh, tournament circuit because they're so well-behaved, well-mannered. Uh, they're always happy to be there. It's not a grind because they love it, love the game because they haven't been exposed to uh, the parent climbing the fences and embarrassing them in front of their fa- friends. And it happens. We know it happens yeah. everywhere around the world. Uh, yeah. And we've, we've, have, we've been successful and very lucky to have put a stop to all of that uh, and encourage better parent behaviour. And as such, we have greater attention from the kids. We have greater numbers moving forward. So... Our green ball competition we took from another competition and into our format. And as a result, we have more players than they've ever had before. Mm. Uh, so I think that's indicative of the program that we've uh, developed. And the have, you had, have you had situations where you've had a child who is not exhibiting good sportsmanship? And if that comes up, who handles that? Yeah, absolutely. On the day we, we have... Um, a situation where a very small percentage of children can't deal with the pressure and and might be coming off teary or other circumstances throwing rackets. Uh, the tournament director, the super, there's a supervisor per court, which are mm. all worded up on these values, and we we address the situation in a calm manner off the court, and um, and then we we bring the child back into the, the fold and they have to play their next match, and over the experience of the day, their their behaviour becomes better. Um, and it's about approaching them in a manner that's that's correct, being very clear at the beginning, which we are when we present the tournament. It's about you know what we're what we're going to be doing on the court as values, and and we're we're rewarding that too on the day. Are you uh, getting any pushback from parents? I, I think um, uh, without putting questionnaires out there, we're just getting very good feedback, as in the new generation of style of tournaments coming through. Parents are very pleased with their children being a part of something that means something. And uh, that feedback is coming straight back into word to word to us. And um, and I feel that this next generation of players coming through, and parents too, is going to make our job easier from 12 plus. Mm. For sure. Oh, go ahead, Jay. Uh, it's, it's a difference between that... Uh, the threat, the over. So, in higher tournament levels, when you have a referee who's watching over, and uh, it's almost like an operant conditioning. You've been bad, and, yep. to- and someone telling them they've done a, a really bad job. You've been naughty, or something like that. It's not a positive reinforcement that we want. Uh, mm. We want uh, the opportunities to be to have the learning as meaning making, so that they understand what what's happened and how they can deal with it and better. Uh, if they're put in that situation again, how to better respond to it. So, and that's where the the ability of the tournament directors, the supervisors on court, the education of the parents all come into it because the child then 
they're not chastised or abused for for that, but they're taught that, oh, well, it's probably not the best thing to happen. And how do we go about it? If you're in that situation again, what could you do differently? So it's a spin on that traditional, all right, this is the wrong thing to do. You've been very naughty. You're going to have two weeks off because of this. It's going against that and uh, coming in line with uh, current psychology in that, okay, we'll recognize your shortcomings, but how are we going to uh, deal with this uh, going forward and how to improve on it? And we feel that approach is a much better approach for a 10 and under child. For sure. And parent. And parent. Yeah, for sure. So how do you help the kids and the parents transition from your program, which feels very, um, I mean, use the words warm and fuzzy, but it's not warm and fuzzy in a, in a, you know, pandering way, but warm and fuzzy in that you're trying to create a positive experience for the child and the parent coming into the sport. We know that as they go through the age groups and it becomes more competitive and more expensive and more time consuming, that it's going to be less warm and fuzzy. So how do you help the parents and the kids kind of adapt to that change as they're moving out of your system and into the older age groups and you know, I know not every child that comes through your system is moving into high performance, but for the ones who do, how do you help them transition? Probably the best part of it is that uh, they're coming together as a group. So they're exiting our green competition and they're still playing with the children with whom they've played for the last five years. So it's still that same environment because the parents understand uh, what their roles and responsibilities are and the child understands uh, the only difference is that they're exposed to different environments. Sometimes it can be a bit confronting, uh, yeah. and we've, we've had that before, but we hope that we develop the capacities of the child to be able to accommodate and deal with it uh, so that if they are put in an untoward situation, they recognise that, oh, I've actually seen this before. That happened once at uh, one of the tournaments. How, how is that handled? Oh, well, it doesn't really affect me. And yeah. so their ability to problem-solve, their coping mechanisms, knowing that there's no external pressure from the parents uh, in that the parents are going to be supportive. They're just there to play tennis. So that emphasis on the craziness that can happen, they can easily deal with that and put it aside. But as I said, the benefit of having it as a long-range program is that those exiting green and going on to other competitions they're fine because they're playing with other people with whom they've been playing for a long time and they've formed those connections uh, and they're good people because of it. And, and also, but it's, think, um, oh, and, go ahead. And, and also we get, it's quite organic. What happens is is that two players playing against each other in Greenville from different clubs who might be rivals venture into 11s and 12s and they're actually buddies. So, you know, this buddy up business and supporting each other at tournaments um, this is, I, I really believe, is a, a really way forward and it's happening organically mm-hmm. from the early days. Yeah. But there's going to come a time where they're going to play somebody that didn't come through your system, right? Who doesn't have the benefit of those years of, of learning these behaviors and the proper way to comport themselves on court. The parents haven't learned. So, you know, there's there's going to be a situation that, they're going to have to face and, and figure out. Um, I think it's just inevitable, right? Yeah. 
Absolutely, and that's where we hope that uh, parental guidance and also supervisor guidance uh, within the tournament structure is enough to deal, be able to deal with it. They understand what the rights and wrongs are and uh, can hopefully uh, cope with that situation should it arise. So for the older... For the older age groups in Tennis Australia, do you still have a supervisor on each court, or how does that work? Not, not Once they the, get into yellow ball. Not at the next level, no. Yeah. So it's uh, up to the individual, but we hope that their, uh, their ability to cope uh, stands them in good stead going forward. But we also do uh, parenting presentations for in that talent development, so from the 10s and 12s onward. We actually offer uh, parent present. In fact, there was one last weekend for a uh, talent development group. So we continue it. Though we see the benefit in it, and uh, we've continued that on throughout the next few levels. So we're hoping that this will shift the uh, shift the bias into a positive bias for better behaviour. What are the, some of the obstacles that y'all have come up against? Well, I think the first one was the, the competencies of the children going into these tournaments. Um, I think the tournaments are what we would call a premier-style tournament. They're not a beginner tournament. Um, I think the bar was never raised high enough for the children to achieve what they could achieve. So by raising the competencies for each of those events, um, we then put a, um, uh, an application out for the coaches to, to fill out to make sure that that child was okay to play in that event and it wouldn't be a situation where they, they had to, we thought they could serve underarm but it's actually overarm. So on some of those instances, the communication gap wasn't quite there. It's, we had children coming into the events that couldn't serve and, um, and we had to adjust things, I suppose, so that the child could still enjoy the tournament. But mm. as years have gone by now, we've, we've got, you know, everyone's got the right idea now of what this event is all about. So it's so Sorry, I was going to say it sounds like there's a lot of responsibility placed on the coach to accurately evaluate their players, understand the level of the player, and recommend the appropriate level tournament for them to enter so that it is a positive experience for everybody. Yeah, That's exactly right. And that was probably our biggest challenge, bringing, because this program, uh, when I was in the private sector as well, this was driven by coaches. Uh, we got together as a group of people who were like-minded and we said, well, this is what we need. Uh, we came up with a format, but uh, the rest of the coaches bought into it. Mm. And we said, all right, well, let's gear ourselves toward this. And I, I think that was the biggest difference. It wasn't uh, mandated from above. This has come from below up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and now, because of the success of it, it is the most successful uh, tournament structure in our, in our state and probably the country mm. in, in terms of its growth that now the uh, governing bodies are latching onto it and saying, okay, well, this is uh, a valid uh, way to develop and there are so many different layers to it that are actually beneficial for tennis uh, and retaining tennis players in our sport for a lot longer. Yeah. But it was. I, I mean, one of the biggest gripes here in the States is the cost of junior tennis and the cost of you know, putting your children into tournaments and the travel involved and how many days it lasts and you've got to pay for the hotel and yada, yada. It sounds like you guys have really looked at the whole big picture and figured out a way to keep the cost down, keep the time commitment down 
for these young players so that they can really develop a love of tennis and a love of competing with and against their friends rather than worrying about ratings and rankings and, you know, spending tons of money before the age of 12. Um, And, you know, hopefully you're seeing less burnout among the kids as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's definitely the case. And uh, it's it's funny that you you say that in terms of, it's also the parents that are uh, a good experience for the parents because right. a, a child feels that if a parent is coming along to watch me play tennis and, uh, and be part of that, it must also be important to them and that as a family unit. So the psychology has played a huge part in how we've uh, gone about developing this. And if the parents show that uh, it is not onerous by coming for three, four hours on a Sunday, knowing that, all right, we've got the rest of the day to ourselves, and then become part of the an important part of the family unit, uh, as opposed to something that's onerous that's going to be over four days, we're going to have to travel so many kilometres. At this stage, the reality is if, if we can get them playing tennis uh and understanding the game and enjoying it, they're not going to be the best tennis players at 12. They're not going to be the best tennis players. It won't be until they can commit to higher levels of training uh, where the body is capable of doing them multiple hours a week. That's only the time when you'll see the uh, tennis players excelling. So this stage here, particularly in the sampling stage, as we define it as, uh, it's so important to get everything right to make sure that as they leave this stage and go on to the next, they're in the best possible position for it. And uh, by having the parents on board for this is eh, such a huge part of it uh, and sure. making meaning of it. Well, and also I wanted to ask you, how does the tennis training outside of the, the Sunday competition, how has that changed to kind of marry what you're doing with the competitive structure and the development side. So, so the competitive court is, uh, is ITF standardization with uh, orange ball measurements and net height. Um, I think previously we really didn't have that in competition here consistently. And I also think in lessons, it, you know, you, you, we could see coaches teaching orange ball children in full court um, courts without lines. So by having, Restrictions or not restrictions, I suppose. Um, Guidelines. Probably constraints is the right word, yeah. yeah. By putting these constraints forward, it then takes the onus onto the coach to train that environment to suit that match play environment. So we've mm-hmm. definitely seen a big change mm-hmm. in the way things are delivered uh, away from the, the match play space. And what about in terms of frequency of training? Yeah, I think um, from my point of view as a private sector, you know, we have children coming two, three times to squad lessons a week, knowing that they have a, a club match play space, which we do in the same manner in our club, and then going and playing once every three weeks into a regional structured competition. So we're, at this stage, we're still encouraging the exploration of a number of different sports and encouraging it is the key because uh, those finding out I might play a team sport, I might play an individual sport. What I do at the club, I might be playing a doubles with a mate of mine. So tennis uh, in its format, uh, more people play doubles than singles. So tennis is, in reality is actually a team sport, more so yeah. than a single sport. Uh, 
but coaches have changed the way they deliver, ensuring that the space is right, but also providing more match play opportunities. And that's what we've been trying to encourage, that they have an internal competition and an external competition. We have inter-club, intra-club. So there's a lot going on in that space in that, Sure, but again, no no rankings or ratings associated with it. It's no. purely self-satisfaction, working hard. You know, I, I yeah. lost to that guy last week. I really want to beat him this week just to make myself feel not because I'm going to earn ranking points. Yeah, but uh, I might get a few more points so that I represent my region. That's right. I'm Gold Coast representative <laughs> at the end of this. Yeah, but there's, no, yeah. there's not one person holding the trophy up. No. You know? I think the children yeah. also at that age bracket, they, they know where they are with each other. Mm. You know, they know their own pecking order. They know they're still going to be friends after they come off the court. And, and that's what we want. We don't want a list of numbers and names up there. We want them to enjoy the journey. And then later on, if that's what they want, this, this actual match play space provides different pathways. So as you spoke earlier about a performance pathway, children will find that pathway themselves. Mm-hmm. And then the recreational pathway might lie for other children who, who entered those events. And you're not getting pressure from the parents to do rankings or ratings and parents are okay with the way things are? Oh, I think the, the lovely thing about this these events is they don't, you know, we've educated them not to be that way. So yeah. they're going to be probably better later on as well. So we, we're yeah. very lucky to have new parents coming in not knowing much anyway. So by providing that system pretty early in the piece, it, it's a different mindset. Yeah, Absolutely. And I, I think it's brilliant. And it's the reason I wanted to have you all on because it's a very different mindset to what we have here in the States and what I've heard from some other places. Um, but I love the whole notion of, you know, you're, you're not just playing for yourself, you're playing for your region and, you know, your buddies are, you know, you're all a team. And, and even though you're competing against one another, you're representing your region. I think that's just, it's a healthy way to introduce the sport to kids and really getting them to buy into what makes tennis so great. You know, it's not about a ranking. It's not about a rating. It's about being out there and having fun and competing and figuring things out and coming off the court and going to get ice cream after. Yeah, and that's exactly what it should be. Yeah, but sadly, I mean, you guys know. It, I mean, before you came about, it probably didn't look like that in Australia, and it doesn't look like that other places. I just think that you know, we're seeing around the world, well, in the last year and a half with COVID, we've seen a growth in tennis. But my concern is how do we hang on to these people that are sampling tennis for the first time during COVID? How do we get them engaged and to stick with the sport? And to me, setting up a competitive structure like what you guys have done is a really great answer, Um, even for adults, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think also, though, just setting something up in a grassroots level that has the bar raised quite high um, so that as coaches we can teach the children to play to the level that we, we would like them to play. And it, mm-hmm. it sets the foundation to create more underneath for the children that don't want to raise to that bar. There's no reason why the events below those events can be underarm serves in a recreational level. 
which we have that competition as well. So mm -hmm. there is a feeder or a, a, an entry, more of an entry level uh, competition circuit where it's more team based, there's doubles and singles. Uh, and that's a feeder for this competition, but it's also a different pathway for, for late entry. So uh, we often speak with coaches who have the 10-year-old turning up to the courts or an 11-year-old, and the reality is a yellow ball is going to pass them by and bounce off into the back fence. They're not going to get a lot of satisfaction because rally length might be two. Mm. Uh, yeah. And that's where the competency-based elements come into it. Well, why, why not play with a red ball? And uh, yeah. We're trying to validate adult red ball play uh, here as well as a format because you don't have to move as much. So people with dodgy mm. knees like me uh, can actually get on a red court and still play and have a lot of enjoyment. Nick Curios is one that uh, spends a lot of time at the Australian Clay Court Championships. He was down there uh, having some fun on red courts as mm. well. So uh, if we can validate that, that concept of our red tennis is just for little kids. Uh, we yeah. need to dispel that myth because it's tennis. It's tennis. The ball's being sent and received. It's projection and reception. And you can try to work tactically to improve your play. And it doesn't, the color of the ball, the size of the courts and the net are just tools for uh, implementing our game. And once we can get over that and uh, the ego attached, I think we'll be in a better place. Agreed, 100%. Guys, if people want to learn more about what you're doing in Australia or get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Um, I think. Uh, from, yeah. I'll give you, I'll put my email down. It's uh, jay.deacon, as in the church, D-E-A-C-O-N, at tennis.com.au. Uh, feel free to send me an email and uh, I'll get back to you with more information. Uh, there is some vision around yeah. as well, so... Uh, some of our little red balls and orange balls at play and uh, what it looks like at a higher level. That's right, yeah. So there's a few things you can see. I think there's a web page on the Gold Coast that um, contains a little bit of information about those circuit events. Um, we can get that to you. Yeah. Okay, awesome. And we'll have all that in the show notes on parentingaces.com for those of you who didn't get a chance to jot down Jay's email address. Um, anything else you'll want to share with us today while we've got you here? Oh, look, we're excited about uh, what's happening down the track. Uh, currently reviewing all tournament structures and competition structures here in our state and uh, trying to bring this as part of it. It will be a, uh, hopefully a core element. And uh, yeah, we just want to see more kids having a great experience while they're playing tennis so that uh, we went through a heyday in the 60s, 50s and 60s uh, and 70s, I guess. But uh, we'd like to see that back again with uh, a lot of people enjoying our sport. And I, I also think that that age is, you know, it's not really important with these type of events. We've actually changed the age brackets for the tournaments. We've suggested that green is 11 years instead of 10 years and orange is, is 10 years and under and, and red is eight. And it captures a more of an audience from, you know, from different ages that, that are actually more in line competently. So, mm -hmm. and then it provides an older orange ball player to play a younger orange ball player, but they're pathway might divide after those orange ball tournaments so it's the audience is bigger um uh, the, the obviously the entries are, are bigger volumes um and it takes away this this age age bracket thing yeah i love that i i mean really my favorite thing about your whole system is the fact that it started with the coaches and i think that's just brilliant you know to get the buy-in from coaches first and 
to have them come together to really hash out the details of how you're going to implement this and then how they're going to take it back to their individual students that they're working with and really build these core competencies, you know, so that they can come to these events and have a positive experience. I think it's brilliant. And uh, I commend you. I, I, I hope that you guys are going on the speaker circuit and telling everybody about this work that you're doing and so that it's uh going to get implemented worldwide. I think it's really awesome. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, the accountability for the coach, I think, is a big part of that yeah. uh, because ultimately they're responsible not only to the child but to the parents as well who are paying the bills. Uh, and if they're not doing the best possible job, and I guess the, the norm reference is the competition format. And mm-hmm. without that, you don't, you don't get kids turning up at the first time and saying, I want to be a recreational tennis player. They don't right. do that. So, <laughs> Uh, they want to be the world's best. So yeah. it's our job as coaches to facilitate that, to ensure that that happens. And uh, if we don't know where the benchmark is yeah. and if we don't set it high enough, uh, our kids aren't going to live up to it. Yeah. yeah. Love that. Well, guys, Shane and Jay, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been really wonderful speaking with you and learning more about all the great work you're doing down in Australia. I hope to get down there and get to come see it live and in person sometime soon if the stupid pandemic would go away so we can travel (laughs) again. But um, thank you so much for taking the time. And to my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at parentingaces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.